Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think that's what differentiates great leaders is they're self-aware. They can show vulnerability when they need to but they also have honest, they can honestly describe an optimistic future. Hello, I'm Stephanie Parry and welcome to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? As an executive coach and organisation consultant, I'm curious to understand how leaders are learning from the current crisis. I strongly believe that there's no going back to normal and through my work I'm committed to help leaders identify new ways to move forward. Joining me in each episode is a different guest who brings their point of view and expertise, and together in conversation, we explore the question, where do we go from here? We don't have all the answers, but I hope you'll find the conversations interesting with some practical ideas and food for thought as you think about your own organisation and your own role as a leader. I'm Linda Moyer and I work with a number of organisations as a mentor, as a consultant around the areas of employee experience, leadership and customer experience. I've worked with a number of organisations who've got great reputations for delivering a customer experience. So I led the frontline team at the London Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2012, looking after nine million spectators Prior to that, I was Director of Customer Service at Virgin Atlantic, where I led uh, Virgin's 5,000 cabin crew, winning awards for great service. I've been an HR director and I've had a number of senior roles at British Airways and other organisations. So Bruce Springsteen, our wonderful Bruce, in his latest album and his latest film, he says... How you conduct yourself and do your work really matters. And he is one of my gurus in leadership. I love what he says, <laughs> honestly. I think I quote him more than other people. So what do you think about that? It's a brilliant quote, isn't it? Because especially with everything that's happening in the world, how you conduct yourself as a human being really matters. You know, yes. your, your, your values or lack of them, kind of shine through at the moment when you look at people in public life. But I think how you conduct your work, of course, it really matters. And I suppose my reflection on that is when you think about the move towards service industries, which certainly most of the uh, most of the kind of most of the world has, has done, then uh, how you work is as important as what you do. And moving on to leadership, it's probably the most important thing leaders do is how they do their work. I mean, no one will really be remembered for doing a great spreadsheet or making a great presentation, but how they behave, how they interact, their level of empathy, how much they listen, 
you know, and I, I suppose I'm moving towards all my favourite skills in leaders. But yeah, that, that really matters. So well done, Bruce. I think he's hit it on the nail once again. <laughs> That's why we love Bruce as well. That's as why we love him. Which leaders stand out for you as being the heroes, especially during this time? In, in a way, this difficult time has put a magnifying glass over leadership for, for me. So one of my favourites is James Timpson, who runs the Timpson Group, who are those little shops you see at stations and in high streets, and they they repair your shoes, they give you a new watch strap, they do all those sort of small, utility, non-sexy bits of work. What he did at the start of uh, lockdown, I, I've, I've got a picture of the quote, is he tweeted, you know, sadly, we've got to close all our stores but just to reassure you, all our staff will be on full pay and we hope to see you again soon. So I suppose talking about leadership, one of my favourite expressions is how you are on the inside of the organisation is exactly what your customers see. So when I think about James Timpson and leaders like that, you know, by creating that environment of safety and security and love inside the organisation, that's what the customers see as well. I, I was just thinking as you were talking, Linda, because I, I, I love that if you thread that needle through, then how you are on the inside as a human being impacts how you are as a leader inside the organisation and then how the customers experience you. So it starts with you, wherever you are as a leader, but it starts with you having that sort of sense of self-awareness and then being able to to use it to the service of your organisation. Yeah, beautifully said. And I, I, I think sometimes when we talk about the term leader, you know, we think of people at the very top of the organisation. You know, we think of people who are in the public eye. But some of my favourite leaders are team leaders who might work in a store or run a small unit within the business or in my aviation experience you know some of my fantastic flight service managers at Virgin who ran that particular flight to Boston so leadership I think is a behavior rather than a a title some of the other things I've heard said about leadership is that you need to be charismatic and extrovert and some of the best people I've worked for have actually been quite introvert but have managed to be clear about what they want, but they don't have to be out there kind of jabbing their fingers and shouting at people. So I think self-awareness is at the core of that. So what have you come across this year of leaders, wherever they might be? Have you come across that sort of leadership? So what I've observed, going back to good old Maslow, is when the pandemic first hit... I think a lot of people at work were looking for leaders to reassure them at the most basic of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. People wanted reassurance that they wouldn't be asked to work in an environment where they weren't going to be safe. And what I've observed looking at how organisations reacted was great leaders recognised that if their people didn't feel safe, their customers were not going to be safe. So there were some great examples in the UK of some of the uh, supermarkets recognising that, boy, do you need to staff all your people with decent PPE and decent protective 
um, equipment or how can you ask them to to go and work in public facing roles but that then had a, going back to that thread that then had a fantastic effect on the confidence of customers at that level so i i think that self yeah self awareness going you know weaving in your point so i think it started at a very low hierarchy of needs then you think about the billions of people in offices who are now working remotely so uh, what i've observed again is that some of the old methods of communication don't necessarily you know don't work in that environment so leaders have had to be very aware of not imposing their model of leadership or their model of leading onto people who may have children at home so have to work in the evening you know lots and lots of for every individual person there's a different circumstance so i think the best leaders are self-aware enough to be really clear with their teams about what needs to be delivered and one of our favorite subjects that you and i have debated many times have a light touch about how that needs to be delivered and even more important now than in the old world that you i've just had the privilege this week to be working virtually with a team and what struck me so much was the leader of that team at the very beginning of the workshop she said i want to acknowledge the situation that we're in and i want to acknowledge that i feel quite miserable by it and worried and she did it in such a skilled way it was very personal it was vulnerable but also strong at the same time and i think it then as people introduced themselves and we got into into the work people felt safe they felt psychologically safe and it just set the right tone for the meeting so that they could get on with their work and i think if she hadn't have done that it would have been lingering around and it would have been the unspoken and i think that it's a light touch that's required for that it's so interesting isn't it i love that story because i wish politicians would understand that because i think there are very few politicians who see showing that human quality of vulnerability they see it as weakness and i don't think it is weakness certainly in organizational leadership i've managed big numbers of people and have always tried to spend some time listening to people and talking to people and what people often say is oh i really like that person as my boss because they were so human and how funny that we have been brought up to think our leaders aren't human so by showing that human quality which is showing a bit of vulnerability i think is incredibly powerful and it's it sets a tone it sets a climate that says it's okay not to have all the answers you know it's okay to be a bit scared i think it takes a certain courage i think it also requires being intentional i think it's really important to be intentional about that so the strength comes from allowing your vulnerability to come out but doing it in an intentional way so it's so it's authentic but but you thought about it before it's about how you conduct yourself going back to bruce going back to bruce i i think it's a fine old balance about about being honest with your vulnerability 
as opposed to kind of, you know, fake vulnerability to get them to feel a bit sorry for you or whatever it happens to be. And I know that's yeah. totally not what you're suggesting. You hit on something there. P- people sometimes say to me, you know, what do you think are the most important characteristics of leadership? And I'm inclined to say you need to be relentlessly optimistic. And I don't mean in that fake, um, oh, you know, we're 20,000 people are going to lose their jobs, but don't worry, it's going to be great for the remaining five. I don't mean in that kind of fake way. But I do think as a leader, you need to have some kind of answer about how we're going to get out of this mess. It doesn't have to be a content answer. It either can be confidence or it can be, um, you know, suggesting a bit of a roadmap. Um, and, but I think that that bit of people are looking for a bit of optimism honest optimism maybe that's a good expression honest mm. optimism oh. I think that's what differentiates great leaders is they're self-aware they can show vulnerability when they need to but they also have uh, that that honest they can honestly describe an optimistic future yeah. hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. I love that phrase, honest optimism. Uh, I think from leaders in organisations, we expect that human, <laughs> human touch, I suppose, to quote another Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, my God, how many can we get in? <laughs> <laughs> That's two already. So let's let's keep on going. You know, possibly the job I'm most proud of was when I was uh, privileged enough to lead all those amazing volunteers at the London 2012 Olympics and Paralympics. And what I really learned from that experience was the value of, as a leader, having a real light touch. Yes, you need to train people on what to do if you need to, you know, evacuate a building or if there's a seat duplication, all those tasky things. But have a real lightness of touch and give people the uh, confidence to use their personalities to deliver that service One of my favourite stories is we had a a chap who was a volunteer on day one of the games. He's sitting in an umpire's chair outside of Stratford Station, welcoming the thousands of people who are streaming out at the station. And after an hour, his team leader found him and said, come and have a coffee and then let's get you to do something else. And he said, no, leave me here because I love it. So he sat in that chair for 13 days 
and he high-fived all the kids. He learned to recognise all the flags that people were carrying. He went home at night and watched the sport highlights, came back the next day and he made up a song or some rap about what had happened in the sport. He became a YouTube sensation, was absolutely one of the great characters of our games. Now, what I love about my own story <laughs> is that's not because he was trained to sing or to make up some of the funny things he did. It's because we led him with a lightness of touch that he could do all the tasky stuff, but he bought his own personality and that's what people remember. That's the magic. Another Bruce Springsteen great song. That's the magic that people remember about the games. Not that their ticket was scanned super quickly or whatever, whatever it happens to be. So I think that all comes down to leadership. It all, that lightness of touch all comes down to leaders being confident at not controlling every single aspect of the operation. I think you're being modest about your role in it because I know that as the leader of that, you created the right setting, the right atmosphere, the right trust and empowerment that they could do that, that they could go so much further than they were being asked to. So how did you do that? You talked about, talked about light touch and about giving confidence, but if you could unpick it a bit, how did you do that? Yeah, I suppose I learnt loads from my aviation experience. So working, for example, at Virgin, I learnt that as, as the leader of 5,500 cabin crew, I actually wasn't in the room when the work was being done. I was sitting in an office remotely somewhere and the, 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 the room where the work was done was 37,000 feet somewhere up there. So what I learned was what you need are great leaders in the cabin, not great leaders sitting in offices. You know, I couldn't know 5,000 names, but my 700 flight managers could know the names of the people that they were working with. So I learned the importance of a coaching style of leadership when how you deliver is as important as what you do. Coaching, 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 coaching. Then when I took all that to the Olympics, it was very similar and it was very different. We trained our volunteers on a broad range of tasks so that they could move around from task to task to task. And I learned from that, never underestimate people's energy and appetite to learn stuff. People love learning stuff. You know, our youngest volunteer was 18. Our eldest was, I think he was about 87. And he used to come in every day and say, I've had an idea about how we can improve the queue length outside of the hall. We asked all our volunteer team leaders to spend their time walking around the venues, chatting to volunteers, trying to remember their names, asking if they've got any great ideas about how we could improve the service. And when I meet volunteers now, eight years later, they say, I really remember that. I remember being made to feel like my contribution really mattered. That's a long answer to your question, but the lightness of touch, it's not just about the kind of classic training, induction, performance management, you know, all those things that have got those HR tools. It's going back to your very opening point or Bruce's very opening point, 
how you do your work really matters. And I guess how you do your work as leaders, if you do it with that light touch, it won't feel like performance management or coaching or it'll just feel like we're having a great day at work today. That is really worth it, Linda. Thank you for that, because I think there are two things that if we fast forward to right now are so relevant. One is learning and the other is, is recognition and reward. If you like, it's back to that word intentional again. Being present, but not being all over, not in a controlling way, not being all over it, but but being present. The other extreme is not okay either. You know, being so kind of laid back and not present that people think, well, do you not care? Do you not care that I'm trying to do this and homeschool and look after my elderly parents and, and, and. It it comes again to self-awareness and awareness of others about individual circumstances. But finding that balance between a light touch, but a touch, a deliberate touch, an intentional touch, to use your language, is really important. For the, gosh, we ask a lot of our leaders now, don't we? It was tough before, it's super tough now. I think, as you say, we're asking a lot of leaders right now, even more than normal, but but it really matters to how how people get through this. Yeah, it really matters. You know, we had an expression at Virgin when we were building, when we were designing service around a new product and we always were looking for low cost, high value elements to the service. And actually, I think that applies also for leaders in terms of how you can recognise and reward your people. Sometimes they don't have, it doesn't have to cost, you know, it doesn't have to be a cruise around the world. It can be relatively low cost. Boy, is it high in value if you just spot, you just spot the right thing. There's just just one more thing I want to ask you about before we finish, and that's about purpose and mission, because I know that that also is at the heart of your work. How did you keep people connected to the sense of mission and purpose around the Olympics? In some ways, crikey, if you can't keep people engaged and motivated when they're working for the Olympics, you kind of want shooting, don't you, really? I suppose... We had a couple of bad things, but we made them good things and made them going for us. Not long after it was announced, London had won the bid. I mean, we had the awful terrorist uh, events in London. And then we had the kind of credit crunch and economic downturn. And all the papers started to say, well, why on earth are we doing this Olympics? This is going to be a waste of money. It's going to be a national embarrassment. So one way we kind of engaged and motivated our volunteers with our sense of mission and purpose was to say, come on, we're going to show them. We're going to show them not only that this is good, but this is going to be the best ever. And we like to think we did that. So sometimes you can use kind of external source to galvanise people or a competitor or, or something like that. I love and it wasn't my idea but I love that we called our volunteers our games makers so you might have been a volunteer who was sitting in a remote corner of the Olympic Park checking accreditation details of press people but you were a games maker everybody was included so I think including everybody and not assuming that things will cascade down because I'm very sceptical of the notion of cascading. Not that we didn't trust our 
management team, but we did a lot of direct work with our volunteers and that created a sense of togetherness. And I think that worked really well. So with all my podcast guests, I ask this very final question, which is in light of the conversation that we've just had, what would you pick upon to answer the question, where do we go from here? Golly, it's quite a tough question at this moment in time, isn't it? Where do we go from here? Because it all feels pretty gloomy. I think where we go from here is that that notion of leadership being super agile, really responsive, really self-aware is more important now than ever before. If there was ever a time when leaders need to think about how they do their work, it's, it's, it's right now. And I, I know from the organisations I'm talking to and working with, leaders who invest in people are getting results. And it's tough, but it's the most important things that leaders need to do right now. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? I'm Stephanie Parry, and if you want to find out more about my work, please go to www.stephanie-parry.com. This podcast has been produced by Hattie Moyer at storyhunter.co.uk. And if you've got this far, you'd probably like to know that the music was written by Jean-Pierre Cloarec, my husband, and interpreted by my stepdaughter, Julie Cloarec. Thank you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.